0: Hi there, I'm Dave Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is a Come Follow Me podcast, scripture podcast, I guess, where we follow the Come Follow Me uh, schedule. We're in the New Testament this year, which we're loving. Yeah. Um, today we're doing Matthew 4 and Luke 4 through 5, and then we felt bad for little Mark. So he gets a little shout out. Um, yeah, right Somewhere in the middle. in there. Yeah, yeah, in the middle too. Oh, speaking of the schedule that we're going through, um, all of our app people, something really fun that we've just started is there is a daily text that you're going to get, a notification. So if you turn your notifications on, it will kind of give you what your reading is for that day. We've divided the week up into the different
1: Which segments to read. Which I love so much read. because yeah. truly I want to read the whole New Testament But I just want someone to tell me what I need to read every day so that I for sure in December, I'm like, I did it. I read the whole thing. So um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you your daily reading every day. But we thought instead of just your daily reading, your read it, that's what we're calling it. We're going to give you a daily application too, which is your live it. So it's like your daily reading and your daily do. Yeah
0: coming every day. So turn on your notifications or at the very bottom of the screen, there's a little envelope with a heart on it. It says from us and you can get it in there if you have trouble figuring out your notification stuff. So, all right, y'all ready? Let's jump in. Matthew 4, Luke 4 and 5. We're starting with this story that's super well known. And Um, let's say
1: this, I love the title for the podcast this week or for the episode this week, which is It Takes a Lifetime. And here's what I love about it. I just love that sometimes we forget discipleship is like something we're working on every single day. It started the day we were born. It will continue until the day we leave from this place is just this ongoing learning of how to be a disciple and what that actually looks like. And I love the permission when you're like, oh, it takes a lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that even the title itself, just like, get like, kind of like, oh, takes a burden off of you to say, oh, that's a lifetime experience. Yeah. You know pursuit. Like, yeah. It's just like, I even thought that this morning, because um, one of our kids was deciding he didn't want to go to school today, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> I would, I would too.
0: Yeah. And I kind of thought, you know, uh, you know what? I was just having a conversation with him and I was just like, some days are like that. Some days you're just like, I just don't want to do this. And you just actually have to sleep in for another two hours. And then you're okay, but you don't panic about it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, if, you, if you have long game mentality. Yeah,
1: you have clear till May.
0: Yeah, to figure this out. And if you thought that about your life, you're just like, oh, and beyond. We're yeah. people who actually believe in a forever. Yes. You know? Yeah, And, and, and what so it's does like, discipleship
1: look like on the other side? We don't necessarily know yet, but I welcome the idea of it.
0: Yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah, so this so
0: first segment which kind of has I I I really love this spot in scripture because it seems to really show this part of Jesus where he became human. You know, where yes. he's like let me live the human experience, yeah. you know, kind of with you. And a major part of the human experience is opposition. Yeah. And we see like last time we started with those words that he said like the kingdom of God draws near and you and i can just expect that if the kingdom of god is drawing near so is the opposing kingdom yeah. like they you're they're always going to be
1: yeah this opposition this right, fight with it's just each this other. eternal fight that we're struggling against and one of the things i love about this title of this episode is this thought of 40 days and i'm super intrigued with the fact that there were these 40 days in the wilderness um that that must have been this like tutoring time with the Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that in the second segment. But it's interesting also to me that after these 40 days, and and the number 40 in Scripture is super interesting because it actually means a time of testing or a time of proving or a time of growth. And we'll see it in a lot of places. You're going to have the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, which we will come back to over and over in this lesson. Um you've got the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness that we're going to talk about but if you start looking back at all of the 40 days, 40 years, 40 you see these little testing or proving moments in scripture that I think is super interesting and that's how his ministry begins.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say in connection with what we're calling the whole thing like it takes a lifetime That number 40 also to the Hebrew people signified just a long time. Mm. Like it meant like it was a way of expressing like... It didn't happen overnight. Exactly, exactly. That it's just like, oh, this was a long period of time that he spends, you know, out in the wilderness. And Matthew loves connecting that story of Moses and the children of Israel and Jesus together. It's this idea of we have a new Israel. Like it's being reborn. Like the story of Israel. Yeah, right. This is all like... This new beginning here. And um, this is neat with, um, uh, there's something about this story that we were just talking about is so intriguing that um, only, the only people that are out in the desert are Jesus and the devil, and you're going to find out the spirit, right? So there's no other audience that's there. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, none of the disciples are there either. And, but yet all four of the gospel writers write about this story. And only two of them write about the Christmas story. So like statistically, 50% of them wrote about Christmas. And you're kind of like, wait, that's way funner than Temptations in the Wilderness. And you it know? feels
1: so important.
0: Right. It's like this Christmas, you yeah. know, but this story, all four of them decide to write about it, which is interesting on two accounts. Number one, that means that Jesus told them the story since they weren't there. So he thought there was something important about what happened out in the wilderness that all of his disciples would need to know and need to learn from. And they all thought there's something significant about this. We're going to put it in our record of Yeah, him. and it
1: makes me think when they were just sitting there listening to him talk, you know when something is so compelling that you're like, oh, I need to go home and tell someone about this. Yeah. And, and you maybe even write it down because you're like, oh, I want my kids to know this or, um, you know, whatever. And I love that, like, that was across the board for them, the response. People need to hear about this experience. And my personality has this. You know this about me. I think you all know this about me. I only like happy endings. And I really like the thought of happily ever after. And things just are going to turn out. And so it's really hard for me to read the sad parts of scripture, which includes the whole last week of Jesus's life, FYI. But also this story for me. I just, in my mind, I want to pretend like, no, Satan's not going to come and These hard things aren't going to happen. And we're not going to have to engage in this because I just only want to think about the miracles and the walking on water and the like, those amazing things that you Mm -hmm. anticipate. And I think it's good to sometimes remember there are hard days. Yeah. There are hard things. There are the days you want to just sleep in and sleep through days. And even though it's not my favorite part to read, also Job for the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are such important lessons when we take the time to like get in here and remember, oh, this is an important an important part of important. growing too.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know? So right here, this is the temptation story. And we're going to be in Matthew 4 to, to talk about this one. You also find it in Luke. And then there's a little summary of it in Mark 2. But um, there are these three temptations that, that happen in this chapter, or at least three that are you know mentioned here that seem to have lessons associated with them. And what we want to talk about in, in this one is just kind of the difference of what it was that... Um,
1: Satan's agenda. Yeah, maybe. that's a
0: good way to say it. Yeah. Right. And, almost, and then God's intent, you know, where it was just like you almost see kind of like what their intention and hope and their character is a little bit in the temptation that he gives, but also the response that was a previously God-given response, yeah. you know, and instruction um, to the children of Israel. And It'll make sense when we get into it. And there's
1: a couple things that you probably will talk about in the groups that you study with, or like in gospel doctrine, or as you're meeting with people that are interesting, like the three different temptations. One happens um, that has to do with food. One has to do with being on the top of the temple, one has to do with a mountain and you look at him. and we were talking about, it's interesting because um, you see that there might be physical like hunger temptations, but there's also like spiritual power and temporal power temptations and, and somehow Jesus is going to navigate through all of those things, um, which is interesting. And I think important to remember that Satan isn't just going to go after one avenue, Mm, that mm. he's going to come at us from a lot of different sides, and I like how that's shown. The other thing that I love, and we won't, I won't spoil spoil it right now, um, <laughs> is how Jesus responds, and we can maybe talk about that at the end of this segment, because there's power in how Jesus chooses to respond every time, and I think that's important to look at. But meantime, it's so interesting just to look at. What was the temptation and what was Satan's agenda? And really, what was God's?
0: Right. So let's look at each of them and you'll kind of get this idea and hopefully it can spark some more discussion. But this very first temptation is in Matthew 4 and 3 and 4. And the tempter came to him, he said, and he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made into bread, which is interesting because, again, the parallel with the children of Israel, God really did feed them out in the wilderness with bread. And, and, and it's a plural word, make these stones plural into bread. So almost as if like, and, and then you can feed other people with yeah. these if you turn it into bread. Well, you yeah. Know? And
1: I know what God does. He gives manna. Right. And so if you're God, do the manna thing.
0: Right. This is what he does. This is like yeah. the characteristic of what God is like. And if you're on his mission, then maybe you should be, you know, he should be feeding you. And, yeah feeding yeah, everybody and you don't have and, to be hungry.
1: Right. You don't have to struggle through what hunger would be and and it really is this sense of like immediate gratification. Like you, you don't have to suffer physical want or need or pain if you're God. And God wouldn't make you do that. Right. And the interesting thing is that question. Would God not make you experience that? Would that be true about God and you're going to see the hint of that in all Three of these, and Jesus could have. I mean, th- that's the thing. Jesus could have turned those stones into bread,
0: and it wouldn't have been bad necessarily. Like you would have been like, "Oh, that, yeah. that's okay." Yeah. there's precedence for that. That's happened before. Yeah, you know. And he'll do miracles that are associated with feeding people later with on, bread, right? Yeah, as he goes through, he answers like this. It says he answered in verse four. He says, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone." by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And its I think it's cool that he just says, yes, eating bread is important. That's going to be an important part. And later on in his ministry, he's going to talk about how important it is to feed the poor and to feed the hungry, right? He says, but that's not the only thing that's important. A man's, a person's soul also needs to live by uh, the word of God as well, not just one of them. And so, there is this interesting thing where he's just like, what God does is he feeds you. What God does or is he, he makes sure. Or he satisfies you. That, that might be a
1: better word to be like, yeah, God's going to satisfy you. And and sometimes it will be immediate. It'll be like when you eat bread and you're satisfied for how many hours, but that hunger is going to come back again. Right, right. But there's something with like a deeper... Satisfying,
0: yeah, and it's kind of interesting. This first one comes off of the idea of fasting, mm, you know, because he's yes. almost like hunger is uh, bad; it shouldn't happen, and yet he's just come off of an experience where it's like actually, like denying myself of food for a minute
1: yeah, did more
0: good for my soul than eating. Like there, and 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 it's almost like the answer was teaching, like, hold on. We don't just need immediate hunger and then immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification. But there's something about what we're calling like a deep reservoir of like this, this, I don't want to use the the word (laughs) that I want to for the second one, you know, where there's that relying on him. It's like looking to him for something more other than just my immediate needs.
1: Right. And it's, you know what it is? It's substance. It's the difference between immediate gratification and deeper substance. That's what is happening right there. And I love that he's teaching that. Like bread, bread will only last for so long. But the word, like the word is going to be with you forever. It's sustaining,
0: right? Yeah, it's sustaining. Because in the story of the children of Israel that we read last year in the Old Testament, they actually get sick of the bread. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden they're yeah, just they're like, like oh, don't yeah, give don't, us anymore. Yeah, of that. We actually don't want that anymore. Yeah. And that is not what connected them to God. Like it feels like it would. Like, oh, the thing that's going to make me love him the most is if he gives me what I want. Yeah. You know? And instead, Jesus seems to be teaching it's like, uh, that's actually not what your soul actually wants yeah. and needs.
1: And I love that Jesus is going to go to a scripture. And the scripture he's going to go to comes from Deuteronomy 8, 3. And his answer back to Satan is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I love that he teaches such an important principle that like you, you think I need bread to sustain life and what actually is going to sustain me over time is the word. That's what's going to sustain me. So I love that that's the first lesson is God would hope for a deep reservoir for us. Satan would lead us to things that would bring immediate gratification. And then in Matthew, he goes next um, to the temple and um, we read in the Joseph Smith translation that the spirit is taking him to these places. The spirit takes him into the wilderness. The spirit takes him to the temple. And I, I love him verse three when it's like, and when the tempter came almost as if all along they knew Satan will show up in the story, but that's just true. Like you should prepare for that uh, eventuality because, um, it, it wasn't like a surprise. He's just like, and then when the tempter came, you know, and I love that we can be having temple moments. But also expect um, that there will be this stretching and proving and trying and testing that comes at the same time, and
0: almost like a reflex to what happened. Like uh, if the devil is showing up to tempt, that might be an indication that you are living a spirit-led life, mm. right? Because yeah. if you are living a spirit-led life, like you can expect opposition, yeah, to come. That's if so That's good. true. Yeah. So he takes him up to this really high part of the temple. And the temptation is jump off, you know? Yeah. And the the devil says to him, if you really are the son of God, cast yourself down. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they'll bear you up lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Or in other words, if you were to jump off this, the scriptures say the devil is saying something that is true about God That the angels are going to bear you up. That they're going to catch you if you dash your foot against a stone. But again, it comes back to something similar that we saw in the first one where he says, God doesn't let the people he loves get hurt. Like he will stop you from falling. Even if you were to stub your foot onto a rock. Like he is not going to let anything bad happen to you.
1: Yeah, if you you follow God, if you trust God, God would never allow you to dash your foot on a stone. And then that's when you're like, well, wait, is that true? Yeah. And, and also, why would he allow that? And then you start thinking, wait, I came here to actually learn, to grow, to mm-hmm. increase, to progress in a way that I couldn't in heaven. And sometimes that requires rocky ridges. Right. It just does. And, and- he allows that growth to take place in us
0: and remember he's also kind of tempting him with what his mission is right yeah his mission is to get you know people to follow him to listen to his messages and it's almost as if the devil's saying if you did a swan dive off the temple and landed <laughs> in the courtyard in the busy courtyard you would have followers Overnight, you would get the blue check right away. Like people would start to follow you like by the hundreds and thousands, right? If you were to do something like that. And I almost can hear Jesus responding back to him, and like, oh, I actually don't want followers. What well, I need are disciples. Mm. And followers might come with really immediate ease. Like I could do a big magic trick, yeah. a miracle to bring people in. But he answers the second time again with a scripture that comes from... Deuteronomy. And that's he quotes it in this verse right yeah, here. Yeah, it's in
1: verse seven where he says, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And I love the thought of this. There is a difference between tempting and trusting God. And I it this part makes me want to think about that. Like, do I have that like feeling like I need to like, well, if God is God, then He won't let this happen. Yeah. If God is God, then he he will, you know, whatever. Make it easy for me yeah. and
0: open the way. Especially yeah. if he's the one who asked me to do it.
1: Yeah, and and that is what tempting feels like to me. And I love this thought that there really is a difference between um, tempting and trusting God, and that deep trust that is going to be part of a lifelong journey to know God, because we're going to go through places. Where we dash our foot against a stone mm-hmm. that is going to happen and or and, where
0: the ministry is going to be difficult like yeah. the even if I'm doing what's right then yeah. it will be it won't be easy yeah
1: it won't be easy and in my life those are the times where I really have come to know God and the God that I know from those moments like in my mind I can just pinpoint exactly those really hard moments the God I came to know in those places is the God I actually turn to and trust when something happens again and I think there's something powerful about that like lifetime learning of that
0: I remember asking like a seminary class one time like do you want your life to be really easy Mm -hmm. and then the immediate answer of course to that is like oh yes absolutely (laughs) You know, yeah. I want all my money given. I want all, everything easier. But then when you actually think about it, it's like, do you actually want it to be really easy? Like no conflict, no yeah. no lacking times, yes. nothing. And, and your soul like actually longs yeah. more for...
1: Well, and think about this. I can remember in my 20s at one point, just having this really intense desire to serve well. And I can remember praying at the time. If you could fix the hard things I'm struggling with right now, I would actually have time to serve well. But because of the way our finances look, because of the health crises we are in, because of what I'm dealing with, um, I actually, I am I can't. You either have to make my life easy so I can serve better in the kingdom, or if this is what my life is going to look like, then in my mind, I just can't serve as well. And The unique thing three decades later, looking back, is it is the financial crises and the health crises and the hospital stays and the loss that have actually allowed me to serve the Mm -hmm. best because I learned who God was in those moments. And my sweetest serving moments have been when I've been able to sit with someone and say, let me teach you about the God I know. And the God I know is the God I met when I dashed my foot upon a stone. Mm. And I think that's important to remember. We might want that life of ease and we might actually pray for it. And we might think it would make it easier for us. And, And yet maybe at the end of a lifetime, we'll look back and say, I'm actually so grateful for this over that.
0: Right, right. Um, this very last one, you're going to see really similar. And it says, again, the devil taketh them up, or, you know, we read that the spirit's actually the one who takes him up, and the devil meets in there on a high mountain. He shows all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them.
1: Which and, is his work, right? The glory, his work and his glory yeah. is going to be the kingdom. So in your mind, you're like, oh, okay. Right. Like, to this, be this, king this aligns of kings, with right. your. Yeah.
0: Over all those places, even though every time I read this, I just think of that Mufasa and Simba scene <laughs> where he takes him up, and he's like, "Everything the light touches." Um, and then the devil says to him in verse nine, "All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me." Um, and all these things will I give you is is a is a line and an expectation yeah. to rule and reign over all of these things it's you know even what God said to Adam and Eve and on the very first yeah. day and so there's something about that that's like it is a promise of God well and you know? it is
1: like it's true like there's part of me that's like wait you all these things have already been given you that's why you came so there is right. something happening right there that is like um, w- what's God's ministry going to look like compared to Satan's promise of what a kingdom brings.
0: Um, And it's interesting that then he answers back and he says, get thee hence, Satan, in verse 10, for it is written, again, quoting right here, this scripture right here, when he says it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And What's interesting about that is when you know the entire story of what's going to happen, the way that Jesus is going to be crowned King of Kings is actually with a crown of thorns. Like yeah. that is when that's going to happen. It's going to be the submission. It's going to be, you know, he's going, that is where he will win the hearts and allegiance of everyone is through that act of of suffering that he will endure. And that is going to require him to deeply trust and worship or do it God's way. Worship Mm. is a word that means to emulate. And so the question is, will you emulate my way, Satan's way, which is take over places, conquer them, use your power, use your strength, use your armies to take over a place. Yeah. Or will you win them with love, which is the way that God does it? Will you win them with sacrifice and with, yeah, with, you know, will you take... The, I heard somebody say once that the devil was tempting him to take the crown of gold before he wore the crown of thorns, mm. and 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 this is the difference here is have all the power, have all the kingdoms, or you can do it in God's way, and, and Jesus says almost that line that will come up in Gethsemane that we've talked about, where He says, "If there's some other way, yeah, well, it would be easier, but not my will." Yours be done. You know the right way for this to happen.
1: And one of the things that I love about this, and then we'll move on to the next segment, but I love that Jesus's answer every time is to go into scripture. Mm. Like his answer for Satan every time comes from the word. That's where it comes from. It comes from what he knows about God, what God has said and spoken. And that's what he relies on. And it makes me think of Elder Rasband, and that protection scripture that he talked about years ago, and we've talked about that many times on here, but he just talks about um, that in times of distress and hardship, it helps if you already have on hand a protection scripture, something that you will cling to during that time. And um, I, he gave that um, talk. It was a talk to CES teachers years ago, but then encouraged everyone to get a protection scripture. And it was so fun because I invited my seminary kids to do it and everybody spent a week thinking about it. And then we wrote them all down and no one had the same one, which that is what I love about the Mm, scriptures. Like mm. there is enough good things that everybody had something different. And we ended up typing those out and handing them out to everyone in the class so that you ended up having 32 protection scriptures, which I loved. but. I love that invitation. What's your protection scripture um, in that moment when temptation comes? Um, Okay, this one's so fun. This second segment we are calling Recognize the Dove," And you remember the dove, and and we're going to link back to that a little bit in Mark 1. Maybe we can just go there right now. Does that seem like the right thing to do? Yeah, let's do do that. Um, So in Mark 1, you remember the baptism, and we talked about this, um, that right after... The baptism there is this moment is it in mark one did i go too far
0: mark one 12 and 13.
1: Um, okay yeah um the the spirit no why, i'm looking for the other one i'm looking for the claimed it's matthew 3.
0: oh i um, see let's go to but matthew you 3 can first. actually see it in mark one if you want
1: okay take it show yeah. us in, mark in one, the journal so it's,
0: it gives you the reference that's there but matthew 3 or mark 1 11 when he 10 and 11 when he comes up out of the water it says you remember that he sees the heavens open and the spirit like a dove um, descended uh, upon him
1: and last week we told that story which was so fun when i was teaching this at the jordan river in israel and remember when i told you that dove came this is it everyone here is a picture of that moment and everyone gasped because (laughs) it just happened at the exact right time and there was that moment when the dove came Um, but really it was the spirit who came and God speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well-pleased. And we talked about, you know, that thought of like, what did that mean for him? And and what did that do for him? And we love that what happens is in... Well,
0: and, and before you move on to that, like just that whole idea of what we talked about with the, those temptations... Where he comes in to him and he says, well, if you really were the son of God. Do we do
1: that after this? You know,
0: would you be hungry? No. Okay. Yeah. And if you really were the son of God, like, wouldn't this be easier for you? That there really is an attack on his identity in the wilderness where he's like... If you really were loved by, you know, and looked over by him, would this, would this happen? And that very first answer that Jesus gives in the temptations is a man must live, not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's interesting that the most recent mm. word that he's heard from the mouth of God was standing in this river. And, and the idea descended on him and rested on him that you are known, you are claimed, you are fully loved, and I am delighted in you. That the devil is trying to undermine his identity to say to him, God must not love you because your life is hard, and God must not love you because you're experiencing hunger and hardship and 40 days in the wilderness. And he says, no, 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 I'm actually going to go back to what God has already spoken to me in that river, which is that I am these things, I'm yeah. known, I'm claimed, I'm fully loved, and he delights in me.
1: And I love the thought of that because we see in the temptation chapter this um, the character of Satan and the character of God revealed, but we also see the character of Christ revealed and that he's going to go back to the lesson of the dove, the witness that settled on him of this is who I am, this is whose I am. And this is what I came to do. And he's, he's going to hold on to that to get him through. And there's great power in that. Right after that, in Mark 1, it tells us, um, in 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth and he was baptized of John. And then in 10 is the part where we read straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him, right? That witness of this is who you are. This is whose you are. And then right after that, it tells us in verse 12, and immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And I think it's so interesting to think that he went from here, from this moment is when he walks into the wilderness from the moment where he commits to covenant relationships. The next thing that happens is the spirit is going to lead him into the wilderness. And I love when Mark says in verse 13, And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. And I just, I love this thought. What does the wilderness look like? We all have wilderness experiences. We all have those moments where after a really sweet and tender experience, mm-hmm. the reality of life sets in. And, and I love that Mark was like, here's what you have to know about the wilderness. Wild beasts that scares <laughs> me a little bit. Satan <laughs> also scares me. But then also like angels. Yeah, We're going to minister to him there. And one of the things that I love is the lesson of the dove. And it's that it was the spirit who took him into the wilderness. And the words Mark uses is drives, tempted, was with wild beasts and and these angels that ministered. But I love that it kind of teaches us the lesson of the dove or the spirit that he leads. Um, he's going to help him overcome Satan. He's going to protect him from the wild things that are yeah. going to be there. Yeah. And he's going to make sure he's ministered to in That moment, and and that is just like a second lesson to this wilderness experience, but I love the thought that, sure, Satan was there, and that's going to be true of our whole mortal experience, but also the spirit who would lead and overcome and protect and minister to along the way. And, And I think for me, that's probably my favorite lesson of Matthew 3, of the learning there.
0: Okay, now we're gonna jump over to Luke, and this is a really, really well known moment. It's almost like this uh, f- fanfare moment, you mm-hmm. know, where Jesus announces, he goes back to his hometown and he's going to announce to those who are there who he actually is. And you find this story, um, our favorite version is in Luke chapter 4. Um, and he's uh, the name this? of this is words of grace this will make sense yeah, in and we'll just explain a second that in a yeah minute. why yeah. in just a second but before we jump into that our name for Christ this week is anointed and this comes up in the story but um, remember in the journal each week there's a spot to kind of study a name and this is also our our poster name if you have the posters that you hang up you know in the house um, and then our Names of Jesus, this is the name that you want to add onto his robe as one of his titles and one of his characteristics.
1: And I love, it's fun to read just what's at the bottom of this uh, poster, which is the (laughs) Greek translation of the word anointed, which is to touch with the hand, to consecrate to an office or religious service, or to anoint with oil. And don't you love the one part about to touch with the hand? Oh, I was going to say, that's the,
0: yeah. Right, right. So um, in Jesus's day and in Old Testament times, when someone began their service as a prophet, priest, or king, they were generally anointed as such with consecrated oil, you know, for that purpose. So that word to anoint also is a word that means to consecrate or to set apart, um, particularly for a holy cause. And it's something that generally was for kings and, and, and priests. And this is interesting when we talk about him as the anointed, right? Like we can kind of see ourselves a little bit in, in this, like yeah. what, what have I been set apart or consecrated for, you know, but if you were to ask yourself, okay, but this is about the study of Jesus and how he shows up in my story as the anointed one. Um, the question is, you know, what is his holy cause? And, the, and the easy answer to that is his holy cause is me and his holy cause is you. And he was set apart and consecrated um, for that holy cause for, for you and I. Yeah. And this story that we're jumping into is sort of where we can explore that a little bit. Yeah. To what see, does it mean? Yeah. What, what? How will he live out his holy cause? How, how will he do this? Yeah.
1: And what does it mean to be the anointed one? And what does that actually look like for me in my life?
0: So he goes into a synagogue and this is what like a first century synagogue would have looked like. It's a recreation of one. It's a super simple room and it was a custom for the scrolls, the Torah scrolls to be opened up and for people to take their turns. Show where the person
1: is who would read and then where everybody else is. Everyone would be sitting
0: on these benches over on the sides right here. And then there would have been a pulpit of some sort with the the Torah scrolls and they would have been stored in a room like over here and and brought out. And it was a great honor to read from the Torah scrolls. And um, they're brought out and Jesus takes his turn as a teacher to stand at the Torah scrolls and and read out. The Torah remember is Genesis, I mean, the five books of Moses Yeah. and um, and then commentary. And if like you've would never also,
1: been in a room like this before, um, it's very intimate, like it's not big but a lot of people can fit in there. Like we, we go in with groups of 85 and one of us will stand here in the middle and everyone else will sit on the seats. Sometimes if it's tight enough, people will sit right here on the floor, but it's a very intimate setting. Like you, no one needs a microphone because you're close enough to just be right there. And the interesting thing about it is if there's a motion in that room, Everybody feels that emotion because you're just that like close. Wouldn't you say that's yeah, true?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the book that he's delivered to, which is a, a commentary verse, would have been from. Well, this Isaiah. would be interesting
1: to say too. He yeah. doesn't get to choose. Yeah. To explain that.
0: Yeah. So there's a schedule. There's a schedule for reading uh, the Torah and then the commentary that is is connected to it. Right. So whatever section you're on. Which would be so fun to figure out, like what section were they on in the Torah or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then, and then here's commentary, prophets, and the other books of Scripture that are connected, you know, with those first five books.
1: Yeah. So you just read whatever, whatever you the get schedule, schedule is, yeah. on that day, right? Which makes this story even more fascinating because who what is are like, the odds, yeah, you know? when he stands up and he's like this, there was delivered to him the book of the prophet. This is Luke four seventeen, and he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written, right? You can see him going through the like, this is how it's supposed to go. And then who loves when all of a sudden Jesus is like this? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, and he's gonna go through this whole thing, and like there had to have been some emotion in him like standing up into that role, like mm. his mission begins today with this, and he's just had his forty days, right he's just like this is his like first day of his mission in church, and he stands up and he's like. This is true. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've just spent 40 days preparing for this moment. And what is this moment? I have been anointed to preach. Yeah. And to heal and to deliver and to set free. That is what I came to do. And it's so interesting because he began to say unto them in verse 21, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and you just imagine everyone like looking at each other like wait what's happening right (laughs) now (laughs) the reading has never gone like this before and all bear him witness and then this is my favorite sentence in verse 22 and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and that word gracious if you look it up for the translation, particularly the Greek translation, it comes from a word that is charis, which actually means grace. And it's the kind of grace that kind of, um, it makes you want to consider the touch of the divine on your heart. Mm. And then it's reflection outwardly Mm. in your life. Mm. And I love that they are like experiencing grace. Like what he spoke was, words of grace it's what grace does grace protects and it heals and it delivers and it sets free Mm. and i love when he's like this is what i came to do yeah in this moment
0: and and the question that we have in the journal and then also i think as part of that word study would be to answer the question he says this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and and the question would be on what day was that scripture fulfilled in in your life in which day has he preached the good news and healed and delivered and set you free like when yeah. did he live out his consecrated and set apart role when did when did he do one of these things for his cause you know which is yeah
1: you? when did he meet you when you were poor or broken hearted or held captive by something or or bruised you know yeah when is that moment when he met you there because that's actually what he was anointed
0: to do and, and I like that you like I love this set of verses just as a little side thought for just a minute is like if you were to where, where's the spot in scripture you're like where's the mission of the messiah mm. and it's this is it this is the spot where he's like this is what I came to do are these things and as a disciple of him or someone trying to I have found my marching orders. Like if if I'm meant to follow him and do what he teaches, these are my marching orders yeah. also as one of his, his disciples. So you know, yeah. how should I live my life? Do these things, you know, for yeah. other people yeah. as well.
1: And it's so interesting because there must have been this moment on the chairs. Like, don't you just, first of all, there had to have been, like if you ever been in one of those meetings where the spirit is just so strong and you're like, okay something is happening here. Yeah, yeah. And then there must have been this like, people like looking at each other, like, what is happening? Yeah. And then the next moment is recorded and it says this at the end of 22 and they said, wait a minute, is this not Joseph's son? Yeah. Like, hold on everybody. This is just Joseph's son. What? Listen, we've all got to like, put this back into perspective. This is Joseph's son. And then... Everything goes downhill from Uh that moment. Good pun. That is a good (laughs) pun. And we're going to go into this part, um, this next segment, which is the difference between being a belief dasher and a miracle seeker. Uh, We love this part. And one of our favorite things when we teach in Israel is to go up to the top of what people think might be Mount Precipice. It's the most logical place where it would be and you walk up this big place and then it's fun because once you get to the end of it, did you put the picture up?
0: No, I just was thinking that as you were saying that. Um, When you get to
1: the top of it, it, it's kind of flat, but if you look over the edge, there are these huge boulders, huge boulders, and it goes straight down and far, far down. How many feet down? You're better at feet than I am. Oh my gosh, 70. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. That.
1: <laughs> Far down is like fields, farm fields, but there's like quite a descent to get down there. And it tells us what happens in this moment is um, they start getting really mad, and then Jesus says to him, "Listen, this is fine because a prophet is never known in his own country." And he's like, "Let me give you an example because there were a lot of widows in Israel at the time of that huge drought, but." Elisha had to go into Sarapath, which was a city that was outside of Israel to save a widow there because there was no faith in that city and he's like also there were tons of lepers um in that same time but who was cleansed was a Syrian it was Naaman and he's like it that's fine if you don't want to believe that's fine it's super common for people to not believe the prophet who's in their own um synagogue and Then in verse 28, it says, and and we want you to pay attention to a pattern that happens here. All they in the synagogue, that's the group we're going to start with first in verse 28, heard these things and were filled with wrath. Like that is their emotion in that moment. And they rise up and they thrust him out of the city, right? You can just imagine him, them walking him up to this place, where there's these huge boulders, like it's not an easy descent down. It is an easy walk up, but if you're gonna go down, I think usually, I'm not a hiker, but don't you call that the face? The, um, the face is the hardest place you're not a hiker. Yeah. You guys, uh, there's one way to get up that's usually easier on a hike, I know this is true. And there's another way that is not as easy. I don't know what that's called, but anyways, that's where they were gonna push him over. And it tells us, um, they thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. And there's two interesting things about the top of that place. First, there is like the drop off, but in the distance, there is, if you look far off, what you will see is Capernaum. That's what is ahead. And this is one of my favorite places when we go on this tour in Israel because what starts actually at the top of Mount Precipice is something called the Jesus Trail. And you can actually walk down that trail and then you can walk for 40 miles. It takes people three days to do it. I'm talking David into doing it in April, so <laughs> we'll tell you all about it when we get home. Um, then you walk all the way to Capernaum, and this is what happens. Um, They're going to throw him down headlong in verse 29. But in 30, it says, but he passing through the midst of them went his way and came down, right? He came down that mountain to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he taught them on the Sabbath day. So you love that there's one Sabbath day experience. Yeah. And then he makes his way down those boulders, not an easy trail and walks this Jesus trail To Capernaum, and he gets there on another Sabbath day, and the reception is completely different. Like there's gonna be an entirely different experience that happens there, and it starts out the same way in verse 40. Um, When the sun was set, all they that had any sick, Um, that's what's gonna happen here. So he teaches in the synagogue in the in between, and then it's the day you know, the day when he heals Peter's mother. And then what happens is all the city, yeah, which I love, all the city comes to the door and um, all they that have any who are sick come. And this is what happens. They say in verse 41, um, they knew that he was the Christ. This is talking about the devils, but I also love that it just reflects that for, there was something that was drawing them to him in that moment, enough that all the city was gathered. And then you love in verse 42, it says, "'The people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them.'" And I just wanna think about these two different groups of people, all day in the synagogue. And what was their response? Is this not Joseph's son? And to thrust him out of the city and to cast him down headlong. And then he gets to Capernaum. This place that is just filled with miracle seekers. And it's all they that had any sick. And they knew he was Christ. And all the city was gathered. And they sought him and came to him and stayed him and would that he should not depart. And doesn't it make you just want to ask yourself, okay, which one am I? Yeah. Which camp do I fit in? And what am I looking for? Because... Both groups on the Sabbath day experienced something divine, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, there's something that like I'm just so intrigued by right now, and it's this that they were called all day that were in the synagogue, and it's sort of like a little bit like, uh, uh, it's like indicting a little to me where I'm just like, oh. All the people who were like, they found all the scriptural reasons why he couldn't be him. You know, like there's something about the fact that it's the church people that wanted to throw him off. And it was the sick people who wanted him to stay. And I'm just like, there's something about that that's there. But these Well, and you
1: want to ask this too, before you move to that one, it makes me want to think the church is supposed to be filled with sick. Remember, he says it right in here. Isn't this the one where he says, "I came"? Um, well, we'll have to look it up after. But as a physician, yeah, this is what I came right. for. I came for the sick, and surely, sitting in that synagogue, there were people with heavy things.
0: Right, and I and I want to say, like, and why didn't they think about that? Instead, they were trying to think of here's all the reasons why he why it doesn't fit, why you don't work. Like this yeah. is like these are all the scriptural reasons why. You know, instead of these people are like, I actually just need healing and I need, I need a Christ. I need, I need.
1: They want the thing he said. I need the guy who was sent to heal. Yeah. I need whoever it is that is going to deliver. Like I'm actually looking for that. Right. In my life. And and it's crazy that he was like, that's that's what I came to do. And these guys were like, no, no. That you don't fit the mold.
0: It's these two that are so intriguing to me, the bottom one, where it's like, we, we actually want you out of our city and our lives. And these people are like, please, we want you to stay. And to me, I'm like, that's the difference. Like, which one am I? Like, am I somebody for whatever reason, because he doesn't fit my mold or, or mm-hmm. because I don't like what he said, that I want him out? Or am I a person who actually is just like, no, please. Like, I wanna, I'm looking for you. I want to find you and I actually, please, I want you to, I want you to stay. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, um, and that's a question for me when I look at this, when I ask like, which one, which one am I in between these yeah. two?
1: And I love the thought that, um, who Jesus wants to be, who he described himself as is someone who brings grace mm. into a situation. That's who he wants to be. And I sat with a group of people the other night. In my family room. And we, um, there was someone there who had never been with this group of friends before. And we were trying to introduce what the experience was going to be like. And it was so neat to hear everybody go around and talk about this is a safe place where you can talk about Jesus. That's what this place is. And it doesn't matter what you've believed previously, and it doesn't matter what you've experienced previously. Um, What matters is who we are currently discovering and I love that these people were like discovering yeah they were like wait a minute he heals and also he like gets rid of devils and also like you know how they were like on this path of discovery instead of being so shut off to this is what Jesus is supposed to look like so if you don't fit what we have described Jesus as then that's not going to work.
0: Yeah, I do love it. That's actually what I was trying to get at, you know, where it was like, and instead they're just like, what is Jesus doing? And that's how I'm going to define him, by how he's showing up and, and what he's doing, not the other way around.
1: Yeah, and I love this, that if you are in this situation, um, and even with people who are in that situation, there is a way out. Like I love when it was just like, um, the, and he passing through them went his way, like the Jesus trail. In my mind, I'm like, it, it's okay. If this is a place where you have found yourself, that, that's okay. That's not an end. Jesus shows us this is not an end, right? Just start walking the Jesus trail because at the end of the Jesus trail, this is what you're going to find. This is what happened at the end. And don't you love the thought of that?
0: Yeah. Okay, we're ending with this story that we love so, so much. It's in Luke chapter five. And it's sort of like an expansion of something from last week where Jesus went to the beach. And P.S., I do love that about Jesus. Like when he was just like, (laughs) I'm starting my ministry. And the first place he goes is to the beach. It's like, there's something about this that's, you know, instructive, but he, um, goes to the beach and he meets the fishermen and you sort of get like, um, Oh, here's the backstory, you know, yes. of what actually happened on the beach. And everybody
1: that day. gives a little, like we've seen it everywhere. John gave us a little bit mm. and he went and got this and he went and yeah. got this and whatever. And, and we saw a little bit in Matthew, but for some reason, Luke is like, okay, let me set up what that morning looked like.
0: Yeah, it's really you. cool. So this week, this is our, um, our worksheet, and you're going to see where this is, where this plays out and where you can use this really well. But Luke's story is the best place, I think, to kind of, you know, see what's going on. And it starts at the very beginning of the chapter where he says, and then, you know, the people all press to hear the word of God from him at the lake of Gennesaret, which is another word, another way of saying Galilee. So that's where he is. So all these people want to hear him, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. They're just like there on the shore, and the fishermen were gone out of them because they were washing their nets, um, which means their work day is over, and that's what you do at the end is you wash, and you mend all your nets, and you hang them out to dry so that you can use them, you know, the next day. Like and most fishermen done. fish
1: at night. It's probably right. important to mention oh, that, and yeah. so they would have been doing that all night long, and so what morning looks like is this winding down.
0: Yeah. So he gets into one of the ships and it happens to be Simon's, who you know as Peter. Mm-hmm. And he he prayed him. He like asks him, kind of presses like him. Like begs. Yeah. Can I, will you thrust out your ship a little from the land? Because he wants to use it sort of as a podium and he wants to all the people sit on the beach. And can you just push your boat out just a little bit so that I can stand there and and talk to everybody? And this is really interesting because if you connect... What we learned last week, Jesus's promise to the fishermen was, I can make you to become something more than you are. And we love that this story actually introduces five different invitations from (laughs) Jesus to the fishermen where it's like, you know, almost like he's going to lead them along in this process of becoming. And we love considering what if we followed you know the same invitation yeah it's like Like,
1: five invitations for peter that came before the leave behind your net and follow me that we're like really familiar with what if you were to start with like number one when he gets in the boat and he's like hey thrust out a little um you know just like
0: it's just a little favor like what's the thing that he's asking us that's just kind of small like a small inconvenience sort of thing because he would have to like Okay, I was actually like mending my nets, but okay. All right, let me just push that out a little. So he does.
1: And I just imagine him with one net in the corner of the boat, just like Jesus is over here teaching and he's like, okay, I'm just like, <laughs> going to do my you work. You do your thing.
0: Yeah. I'm going to finish mine. And he preaches to everybody then. Then when he and was And don't done, you wonder
1: if he's just listening? Like Peter's just like. With one
0: ear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy and what is he doing? And also it makes me wonder if Jesus knows Peter so well that he's like. It's going to be better for Peter to just like be taking this in from the edges, not like sitting. I imagine him a lot like you, ADD, (laughs) like so busy looking at all these things, distracted that he's like, Peter, you just be working on fishing your nets. But hopefully like something's going to like settle, you know?
0: So then when he's done speaking, he goes, this is verse four, and he says to Simon, will you launch out into the deep? Which is sort of his next invitation. Now we've gone from something that's a little bit like, okay, anybody can do that, sure. You know, to, I actually now want you to commit, you know, to me for a second. Like, um, I love that he asks him to launch out into the deep. And that's in verse
1: four, by the way, if you're wondering.
0: It's it's almost as if he's saying, what I want to do with you can't happen in shallow water or shallow relationship. Like, will you do something that's a little bit more committed to me? Will you lift up the anchor, in other words, and row, you know, and come out into the deep? Um, And then his next invitation is almost like one step more because he says, and let down your nets for a catch. Drop them into the water. Now, the problem with this is twofold. One is in between the lines. They've just washed them, mended them, and hung them up. Right? So like if I drop them again, that means I have to go through that whole process again. And he's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. And he says, plus in verse five, he says, master, we have toiled all the night and we have taken nothing. So I'm in a bad fishing mood, in other words. Like, I actually don't want to let down my nets. Plus, this is a lake you fish at night. And no offense, you're a carpenter. And I'm a fisherman, so I actually know when to fish and when it's a good time. And I'm frustrated and...
1: Right, well, and I want to think about, like, launching... Thrusting out a little is an inconvenience. Right. What's this? This is, like, what's bigger than an inconvenience? Because Peter is, like, this is, like not good manners, you know? (laughs) You don't know what you're asking me to do right, right now.
0: Right. But then there's this word that I think will really help in answering this, let down your nets thing is he says the word after all of his arguments, he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And this one's almost asking like, what's your nevertheless? Moment where you're like, I have all these arguments about why I shouldn't do that or why this doesn't make any sense or why it's so annoying to me, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to, I'm going to let down my nets for, for a catch. I'll, with everything that's going to come with that, Yeah, I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that um, probably one of the words we want to think about here is sacrifice. But I think we're going to learn a lesson twice In a row, there's going to be a double lesson that happens right here. And, and we've kind of watched how it happens because there's going to be an inconvenience and then there's going to be the hard ask, right? There's going to be the like, go out deeper and put those clean nets that you have just got taken care of back into the water. And you, don't you just feel a little bit of the rolling of the eyes of like, (laughs) you know, of, but Okay. Like, you you feel submission taking place, but it's like, fine. Um, My nap, instead of being from 10 to 1, is now going to be from 1 to 4, but okay. Yeah. Fine.
0: And maybe it's sort of like, a. and I'm going to show you it doesn't work. Yes. You know? Just so you know. I'm going to show you right now.
1: And then we won't do this again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That actually doesn't work. And so he lays, he drops his nets into the water, and then he says, and when they had done, they had this done, verse 6, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. Um, not all, remember, they came from catching nothing, but now all of a sudden, when they did what he asked them to do, they let down their nets. And now it's that moment in Nemo when all the fish are like filling and like swim <laughs> down. And like, you know, like the whole <laughs> net is just like filling with fish and it's breaking. And then it says in the next verse that they have to call over their fishing partners another boat and like. Who have
1: already cleaned and mended their nets mind you and yeah. are looking forward to the 10 o'clock nap you know they're <laughs> I mean, like what is happening right yeah. now and
0: they like, come out come out come out come out <laughs> and they come out and they start feeling so many fish that each of their boats actually start um to sink and i love this question that we have in the journal where it, um where it says you know when is when of your boats sunk with blessings in your nets started to break with goodness like that when you've handed over your life um to god like it didn't wait until here but they start to experience like that goodness and their lives Mm -hmm. start to change and they and they start to like and even the people around you their lives start to get impacted by you know your decision you know to follow some advice and some counsel and you know something of of the lord and and this is what happens and this this has actually now The greatest day of their entire life. Well, and
1: in that moment, you know this is Peter's thought. I don't know who this guy is.
0: But he's fishing with me every day. Yeah, I'm keeping
1: him. (laughs) Like, we're going to be friends, and this is a relationship I'm entering into. Like, this is going to be so good. Like, this is good. This is, like, good.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's interesting because, like, really this is happening this is really happening where their nets are filling and their boats are sinking because of of Jesus um and it's making me think like connecting that very first story to this one where it's just like is Peter thinking oh this god is awesome because yeah. he makes your bank account big yes like that you know yeah. almost like he's starting like
1: well Yeah.
0: Is is that what he is? Yeah. Well,
1: and he's like, and I want this. I choose this. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This relationship is the right relationship for me. And I love what you were saying that, like, it's the best day of his professional career.
0: Yeah. Front page.
1: For sure, there's money involved, but there's also recognition involved. There's everybody else who's like, wait, Peter. Whoa! Like how did you do that? And cause nobody caught fish last night. And so there is that moment of like, I like this life. Yeah. You know, for sure.
0: He even says in verse nine, he was astonished, you know? And everyone that was with him at the at the catch of the fish that were taken, like everyone was like, I cannot even believe what just happened in our yeah. life and and there are moments like that in the journey with jesus right where you're just like i can't believe all the good that's come into my life yeah. because of this and then that's what makes the next invitation I know. And, the worst. and luke
1: doesn't do it as good as the <laughs> like, other people do like luke i'm like hold on you did so good at setting this up and then like, you have to really think through this next part. I think John maybe does it better, but you read in Luke because that's what we're studying. I'm going to just go to John.
0: Well, it says, you know, everybody was so excited in verse 10. And then Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And then verse 11 kind of shows you the aftermath of it, but you don't get the invitation um, as as well as you get in in. In yeah, other- it's not
1: John, it must be, it's either Matthew, it might, it might be Mark actually. Where's the straight way? It was Mark. That's where we were teaching this oh, last week, yeah, right? Yeah. It's in Mark because you have this moment and I think it's important to consider this where um, this, he says, he walked by to see, here's Mark's story. He saw Simon and Andrew casting a net for they were fishers. Then we miss this whole story somehow in Mark, completely miss it. And Jesus says to them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway in verse 18, they I'm in Mark 1, they forsook their nets and followed them. Now, let's just think about this for a minute, because I think this is so important. Five minutes ago, Peter was like, I'm committed to this guy. Yeah. I'm doing... he he's my new fishing partner he is part of the business I'm bringing him in this is like I want to do this and then what Jesus says to him and don't you just imagine that conversation of him like looking at the boats and looking at the like the nap now it's not about the nap anymore like for here he was like I'm not gonna get my nap yeah today you know but okay here, he's like, someone else gets to have what's in the boats now, you know? Someone else gets all that stuff in the nets. Like, straightway means I don't actually get any of what I just work to produce. I don't get that anymore. Straightway means I have to turn and choose to become not this anymore. And... Like, he's not giving up a nap now. He's like giving up his livelihood, his life, his like the thing that makes him happy, the place he goes every day, the routines. And, and like, how does he do straight away?
0: And on the day when it was working, he's always like, I've had so many days where, like, I like this wasn't working, we're, we're, we, you know, we had to figure it out and work through the kinks and everything like that. And, and also, now, if
1: you would have asked me here. I would have easily left. You know? Yes, I'd have been like, I hate fishing, I'm never fishing again, you know? Yeah. But why is it the call comes when he's like, okay, this is gonna like require sacrifice.
0: And then again, you see that, you know, that beginning story that we looked at where it's like, you know, are you after instant gratification mm. or are you after like a deep reservoir and deep trust and, and deep worship? And there are invitations that he gives where he says, hey, I want you to leave something behind. Yeah. And sometimes it's something that's really good. And sometimes it's also something that's really entangling too, you know? Yeah. And you don't know
1: which one it's going to be. Because sometimes leave behind your nets is the thing that it's like, it's good to walk away from that thing. And sometimes the thing is.
0: Something really good.
1: Yeah. Where you're like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? You know, how about in three months? About in three years, you right. know, and um, that all of a sudden, those first things that we talked about, in fact, let's just go back there. I know we can do this faster. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to just go back to those words because what this lifetime pursuit is talking about a deep reservoir and deep trust and deep worship. It's talking about launching out into the deep. Yeah, And like, am I brave enough to live like that?
0: But I do love that it begins, you know, with just a little. Will you just push Mm. it out a little? And Peter gets a chance to hear his words. And Peter maybe gets a chance to like watch what he's capable of, you know? And it's almost like uh, when he lets Peter see that catch of fish, Mm. you know? And he's just like, why will you imagine your life? any different than this. Like it might not be fish. In fact, it's going to be people instead. Yeah. But like your nets are still going to break and your boats are still going to sink just in a different kind of yeah. way. It's just awesome that he lets him see, like I, I'm i a multiplying gone, God, you know? Yeah.
1: And that moment when you were like, oh, you know, I just think about Peter when all those fish are coming and they're yelling for everyone. And that moment when he was like, Oh, I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And I want to do this for the rest of my life. And is that what caused Straightway? Is that he was like, okay, there was a moment when I committed to this relationship. And even though I had envisioned that commitment was going to look like this, I'm committed enough to say, okay, show me.
0: Yeah. And, and, and then the question that's hard to answer, which is, did you want to the children of Israel, did you want the bread? Yeah. Or did you want me? Yes. And to Peter, do you want the fish or did you actually want me? Yes. You know, what? what yeah. did you want me for what I can give you? Yeah. Or did you want me for what and this relationship can yeah, become? Yeah, because
1: did you want immediate ease? Because that's actually not what covenant relationship looks like.
0: Yeah. an immediate glory. Did you want to be yes. president of the Galilee Fishermen's Association? Yes. <laughs> you know, is that what you like? Because you could choose yeah, that. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Or, or do you want this, you know, w- which is your lifetime pursuit? And it's so interesting. That's where this lesson goes right. is, which is my lifetime pursuit?
0: So this, this will be just awesome for a, for a class, you know, just to let people get thinking about this. But as I'm looking at it, it also feels like, oh, this is actually a really introspective worksheet, also. Yeah. A chance to really just like think through those, you know, invitations, you know, for myself. Yeah. Now, we just wanted to share one little teaching tip here at the very end because. Hopefully, we kind of wanted to show you something today, spend a little bit longer on some of the segments so that you could see that like you could actually teach an entire full lesson with just like the temptation story. Or you could teach a full entire lesson with this Luke 5, you know, Peter story and really like dig into it and, 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 you know, and build it up no matter what kind of period of time, you know, that you have. So... Okay.
1: Just a thought on teaching.
0: Yeah, there you See go. You next Bonus. Week. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.